Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. We're off to a good start. Uh, Some things could be better, some things could be worse, but I think all in all, we can be happy with what we're seeing. We're going to get into some of the more uh, granular details of this thing, but hey, you know what? They're, uh, I think, sixth in the East in points percentage, nine games in. I'll take that right now. Uh, It's a team that I think is going to get stronger throughout the season. So let's let's not waste any more time. Let's hear what everyone else has to think. Let's lead it off with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. People always get mad at me because I talk about what fans on Twitter say, but, like, that's my only connection to the outside world apart from (laughs) these four people. So um, those are the only Flyers fans I talk to. I saw after the Calgary loss, it was like a, a sharp turn into negative town. Like all of a sudden, I saw a lot of focus on the things that are going wrong for the Flyers right now. Whereas before, I had seen mostly positive things. And like, I, I mean, losing isn't good. They shouldn't do it ever if they can help it. Um, but, you know, they're going to lose some games here and there. And it, it's kind of felt like people were just waiting yeah like they had they had it queued up and they just needed an excuse to be able to say all of the things that are bad no it's like guys can we just because like it hasn't been perfect but they've been winning it's been a okay let's wait and then they lost finally like after they played like it's their third game in four nights on a on a road trip they won the back-to-backs like, they weren't going to go 3-0. and Like, sure, I guess they could be undefeated like Carolina, but they're not as good, so why would they? I, like, if we do this every time they lose, it's going to be a long fucking season. But we're gonna, because that's just how, that's just how Bill. sports analysis Bill. goes. Like, every single time they absolutely, lose, which is gonna, Yeah. We are absolutely going to do this every time they lose, because this is Philadelphia sports. Okay, like it's just in the end, like Eagles brain. Yeah, this is just what it is. What it is is that unless the Flyers were 
undeniably like you know even when they lose they outplay the other team like that level of good this is always going to be what happens because this is what philadelphia sports fans are trained to do i like that (laughs) kelly just broke down for us winning good losing bad this is the analysis that people come here for i know I mean, I I don't know if anybody else was thinking it, but I'm glad that I said it. It's I'm like, so glad that you it, said it. it. Somebody it, had to. It absolutely needed to be said, and I think you were the one who needed to say it. This is why people. This is why BSH is number one. You know, this is why we get Paul Holmgren. Uh, we'll get into that later. I'll sell stuff to you in a minute. Uh, but first, <laughs> theAthletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. See, I'm actually going to take Kelly's point in a different direction. Hey, I. I honestly appreciate the fact that the Flyers just naturally will not allow their fans to get too excited about the team. Like, whenever the fans are about to be like, hey, you know, maybe this team could be really good. It's like, now nah, wait, you got to step back for a second here. We're going to throw one of those clunkers at you just to remind you that, nope, don't get too high on us. We're still the Flyers. And I just, I, I, I you know, one thing I, I've said, I feel like I've said this a lot over the last couple of weeks. There are a few things that I respect more than a full commitment to a bid. And I feel like <laughs> the Flyers <laughs> are just fully committed to the bit of being the Philadelphia Flyers. And I respect that on a really deep level. I just... Like, That's so funny. Can't they just go 82-0 and 0 and everything's fine? Like, couldn't that they just would, be... I mean... They would, they would go 82-0 and 0 and absolutely get swept in the first round. Like, that oh, is absolutely. not... <laughs> that is not even a question if that were to happen. Uh, last, but certainly I mean, like, look, 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 look oh. at this. I mean, look, oh, sorry. Let me add one more thing no, there. Like, think about it this way. The Philadelphia Eagles finally won a Super Bowl, and the only, they, they did it after their starting quarterback was out for the season. They did it with a backup quarterback. Like, there's no way that there's ever going to be, even when good things and happen in Philadelphia. where we are now. Yeah, but, like, even when good things happen in Philadelphia from a sports yeah. standpoint, it's always going to happen in some weird-ass way. It can't ever be, like, a no-drama thing. And just accept it. A great the and catastrophe wi- is not far behind ever exactly. in Philadelphia. A great and wise leader once said, "Bad things happen in Philadelphia." <laughs> L- last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. Uh, I'm getting all right. Canceled. So we're all having a good time, <laughs> right? It. We're laughing and and things, and and I'm going to bring the mood down a little bit uh, because I feel like. The situation in Chicago, the situation in the NHL needs to be addressed by us. Um, so if, like, this is, let this serve as your trigger warning. We're not going to talk about it all episodes, so just skip forward 10 minutes or so if this is something that you don't want to listen to. Um, but I am having a really, really hard time being a fan of the NHL right now just because they keep tripping over their own dicks every step of the way. Like the, 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 the meme, our expectations were low, but holy shit. Like that's the NHL right now. That's Gary Bettman right now. Um, it's disgusting. If you haven't watched the Kyle beach video, if you haven't read Rick Westhead, if you haven't, read the 107 page report please do so 
but with caution because it is very disturbing. It is very graphic. Um, and Gary Bettman is out here saying things like, uh, people have different recollections of the events and I don't know what else we could have done in the last decade. Like it is just the most, maybe something. I, I don't know. Like, like you could have done any, literally anything would have been better than what was done. And that was nothing. Um, I, I'm just, I don't know how to be a hockey fan right now. And that's not, saying that I'm going anywhere. That's not saying that I'm quitting my job. It's just shit's really hard at the moment to to support these people, these players who were throwing around homophobic slurs when they found out Kyle Beach had been assaulted. Like it's it's just a really hard time. And I think what my main takeaway is, and there are a lot of main takeaways, but they really, the NHL needs to focus on getting fresh blood into the NHL because they keep hiring the same group of toxic ass dudes. Something that happened in Chicago 10 years ago is now spread across the entire league. It's coaches, players, assistants, um, front office staff, everyone is spread out throughout the NHL because they don't ever hire new people. Bring in new people with new perspectives and new training and and just backbone. Someone who's going to be able to stand up and be like, listen, we don't do rape here. This is not okay. It, it seems like a very low bar to clear, but obviously no one in the NHL right now is willing to do that. So bring in some new blood, bring in some women, some people of color, something other than these crusty white men who have been at every fucking team in the league and now they're on your team. Bring in new people, get rid of the current regime. Uh, is everyone here, and thank you, Steph, um, is everybody here shocked that Quenville resigned? Um, no, I, 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 I felt like the level of pressure, uh, publicly that was coming on him specifically. Um, I didn't think that he was going to be able to survive it. So I thought there was a chance that Florida might just keep him because I mean, that report was awful on a lot yeah. of levels and, and, oh, he yeah. was, and, and he was one of the people, I mean, this is. This shows how bad he came off. He was one of the people that came off the worst in that. And, like, there was a lot of people that came off really bad in that report. He did not come yeah. off well. But I, I did wonder if Florida was just going to kind of eat the bad publicity because they're not a particularly high-profile team and just say, mm. well, he's a great coach, and we're doing real good, so we're just going to stick with him. That was the only way. But, like, I mean, there's so many bad things about all of this that you could spend an entire show breaking down. But... You know, the, the part that Quenville is attached to, and this is truly one of the, you know, it's one of the parts of hockey that in some instances is celebrated. And then in this instance, you see the toxic element of it is just this idea of winning at all costs and the mm -hmm. idea that we can't be distracted. No distractions, no distractions. I mean, that was that was the where, where Quenville fit in here. You know, Quenville essentially, according to the report, 
basically said, we don't deal with sexual assault until after the playoffs because it may lessen our chances of winning a Stanley Cup and it may mess with team chemistry. And in in the bubble that is hockey world, somehow that was like a bunch of people in a room heard that and were like, yeah, that makes sense. When if you take a step back, it's absolutely batshit insane that someone would say that and everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, winning a cup is definitely more important than a rape allegation. It is, in fact, batshit insane. Yeah, it's absolutely that, insane. That so many people were just like, yeah, yeah, like, you're, you're right. Like, reading that part of it, like, it really played out like, uh, like a movie scene where it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of push this under the rug and then we'll deal with it after the playoffs. Like, um, like that's actually how we decided to go about this? I, goddamn. I just kind of like what Charlie said with um, Florida not being all that high profile. I kind of thought the league was going to be like, yeah, this isn't the NFL. How many people are even paying attention? Uh, it's the Florida Panthers who gives a shit and like well, kind of wait it out. So that's interesting. How many people are even paying attention? So I live in Atlanta where there is no hockey team. There is a negative hockey market. It just doesn't exist. Um, They're negative this, too. <laughs> this um, situation, I think, whatever it is, was on the local Atlanta news. Like what's happening in the NHL with Gary Bettman and Kyle Beach was on the local Atlanta news. So people are paying attention mm -hmm. outside of just the hockey bubble, which I thought was fascinating. I mean, this is, this is as bad as it gets. Like this yeah. is a billion dollar sports organization that for an entire decade systematically covered up a crime, systematically dismantled a man's career and are now going on zoom meetings and being like, eh, what were we going to do? Like, it, we won three cups. There's like, no and, way. Yeah, that Kelly, that's... you were on. You were on the Zoom with Bettman yesterday because yeah. I couldn't be. Yeah, it it was as bad as oh, advertised. Uh, oh yeah, he. Uh, I mean, I know that he's a lawyer. I understand that he's a lawyer, so he was doing the lawyer thing where you don't say, you don't admit any kind of culpability at all because you're a lawyer and you know that as soon as you say it, now it's a thing. So I. I I understand that part. But, like, you have to also know that you can't say that this is distasteful. You can't mm. say that that's unfortunate. Like, these kinds of words aren't legal words. Like, these weren't you covering your ass. Like, it was just, like, if that's what you were going to do on this press availability. Put out a press release and say, fuck it. Exa write it down or just don't fucking do it because literally I don't know how they could have made themselves look worse and they went mm. on a Zoom meeting and lowered the bar into the earth's core it was in the basement before it it's just it was remarkable how bad they came off and then also they wouldn't talk to Rick Westhead 
until Pierre yeah. Lebrun was like, hey, guys, are, are you going to call on the guy that, that, you know, found this entire thing out and brought it to light? And, it, and that, to me, is pretty much tacitly endorsing the fact that this should have been covered up. They're pissed off at Rick Westhead because he found out and wrote about it. Like, what are you yeah. pissed off at yeah. him for? And like, they're pissed him. off at him because they think it's his fault that they have exactly. to deal with they're this. Exactly. They're not mad at Brad Aldrich. They're not mad at Joel Quenville. They're not mad at Bowman. They're mad that Rick Westhead had the nerve to expose them and not just keep it inside their little bubble and deal with it that way, which yeah. is the way that they think they should deal with everything. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And, and Steph alludes to this earlier. Like, everybody in that bubble, they're all friends. Right. And, and and that's what it boils down to is like and and you saw this with the initial responses, you know, from 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 Taze and Kane, um, the the day of, I believe, uh the beach interview. Um oh, where God, they yeah. were basically just like, Fuck you know, they shit. were basically well, they were basically just like, you know, well they Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville or you know, Bowman in particular, like he's a good person and you know, obviously and they you know, they paid lip service to the fact that like, yes, this is serious. But you know, everybody just kind of has it in their heads that, like, well, these people were good to me. And yeah, I got ten and they, a half a year, so I'm good. Yeah, and, like, therefore, they must be good. And, like, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, there's not— the, the entire world is shades of gray. I mean, someone can do lots of good things and also do some pretty shitty things. And, like— I don't necessarily think that makes them an evil person, but it does mean that they have to be held accountable for the shitty things they did. 100%. And I think yeah. the league is, like, especially sensitive to this because, like, Chicago was the premier organization for a decade. They won three cups. They were on every fucking Wednesday game. They were in every outdoor game. Like, that goddamn Chelsea dagger. You, you hear it in your sleep. Like We had to look at Patrick Kane's face constantly, despite the fact constantly. that he's in... Constantly! How about that hat trick last night? Wasn't that great? Inherently unlikable oh person. Oh, my God. What happened? Uh, Patty Kane hat trick last night. It was fucking, like, oh, really gross. tonight? Like, this is what's... Gross. Yeah. Uh, all right. With his ramen noodle hair. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's all, it's all extremely frustrating that the circle, the wagons mentality still so obviously exists. And the, the thing with hockey culture is that, you know, there's, it, it's so weird because you can see how something can be used, like, Parts of hockey culture can be used for good, and then that same part of hockey culture can be used yes. for bad. Like, yes. you know, I, I've covered the Flyers for, you know, the last few years. I've seen the support that Oscar Limbaugh got. I've seen the support that Kevin Hayes got. And it's, in a way, it's kind of coming from the same place of, like, you know, he's one of us. You know, we got to have his back. You know, we're, we're all on his side. We're all in this together. And it's honestly a really heartwarming, beautiful thing. But then you see the dark side of it, when people in the game feel like they have to defend and protect people who have objectively done wrong just because they're in the game and because we're all buddies and we all have mm -hmm. to stick together and it's just all this it's just one big big family here and it's like look i am very much a proponent of being loyal but like at some point you got to take a look in the mirror and you got to look at you got to take a look at, at people you're around you 
and and take a look at them with a straight face and just be like, what you did was wrong. And you can't just like like I, I love the support that, that that players get, that people in the game get, you know, when they're dealing with some serious shit. But when that col that same culture allows you to basically ignore someone like Kyle Beach and rally around almost rally around this Aldridge guy at the moment like like what the hell did, what the hell did he do a video coach a fucking nobody like that's not a, the, an easily like, what, replaceable cog that's what where, that's the thing that gets me it's like why the fuck did you care about this dude where's that like loyalty and support for the actual team yeah exactly like that's the that's right. the part that's i mean it's all fucked up but like that part specifically is baffling to me. Like this is a guy who was in your locker room. Like he he's on the team. Yeah, and like, and I, like and, and and Joel Quenville's writing like a glowing letter of recommendation for the guy. Who? Like that part wh- is what exa- like, what exactly are we doing here? That's the part that's gets really fucked. It's like okay, so you knew and you didn't do anything. Okay. Okay. You then knowing this recommended to a school for minor children that they hire this man like are you out of your like yeah i don't know man it's uh it's crazy which then led to another man another boy 16 being assaulted yes unbelievable unbelievable i'm if you're having a hard time being a hockey fan right now, you're not alone. Um, you're not alone. But if you are having a really easy time being a hockey fan right now, you might be the only one. Because I feel like everyone is having some level of complicated feelings around all of this. And I do think it's like... People are going to say to that, Steph, like, this isn't hockey's fault. This is a couple of people's fault. And while that sort of is true, it is the mentality of sports, uh, you know, this the the idea that they're going to rally around this. Like, Chicago won last night. If they win, like, six in a row, I can already see the, like, yeah, you know, we're dealing with, we overcame the fucking distraction, and uh, we we rallied around each other, the only ones in this room. Like, I see that shit happening, and that's disgusting. Um, If we want to move on from this, I think we should take our break now, because it's going to be hard. That's exactly. It's it's going to be hard to transition to, like... And the fucking flyers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let's let's yeah. take our break and then um, we'll we'll make note of it in the notes for the episode. So if people skipped this part, they can just pop right yeah. in. Which is a note from Flyperbole because Steve is very good at these things and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, we're going to be back on the other side and we're going to try to have a little bit more fun. Uh, Talk about the team, their upcoming games, what they've done, all that uh, all that shit you listen for on a regular basis. So stay tuned for uh, through this break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, fam, we are back. And uh, before we get into it, I want to tell you all, you got to listen to our Paul Holmgren interview from last week. It was real good. Uh, we we had a great time doing it. Paul really opened up. Um, man, I, I want to like pull back the curtain on it a little bit. Steph didn't get to do it with us, but uh, me, Charlie, and Kelly, we get into the Zoom conference like half an hour. We're going over like what kind of questions we're going to ask and stuff. And there are a few things that really stuck out to me. Uh, first of all, I wanted to ask some sort of question about Jake Voracek because Holmgren acquired him. And we just couldn't, like, I couldn't figure out a way to word it. Like, you know, he's not the GM anymore. It's not his call to trade him and all that. Paul brought him up voluntarily. Um, just kind of talking overall about the team. And he said, Jake, just watching him play last year, probably needed to go somewhere else. And I, I think it's little, like, it was just two sentences. But, like, little things like that give us insight into just how fucked up last year was. Like, then he, like, in more general terms, talking about, you know, positive guys. Guys who bring that, you know, that positive energy into the locker room. And, uh, man, we said a lot last year, like, oh, yeah, you know, Jake and the few, you know, we don't really know Jake. Charlie has a professional relationship with him, but just listening to the guy talk now and then. If I had to guess what kind of guy Jake is when things are going wrong, he's the one cracking jokes in the fucking corner, not really being all that helpful about it. And, uh, I don't know, kind of got that impression <laughs> from a digging not even all that deep into our interview with Paul. Like, what parts really stuck out to you guys? I mean, I'll just follow up on that. I mean, this goes back to something that I, I wrote about heading into the offseason. I wrote about during the offseason when they were making moves. And... I think there were some people that, like, took this on my part to be, like, me insulting these players. And I personally, first off, did not intend it to be that way. Secondly, I don't think it actually is that way. My point that I made is that I think the Flyers took a, you know, a, a good hard look at the players and their team. And they kind of identified guys who probably didn't really want to be here anymore. Mm. And And the thing is, is that, like... A lot of people took that, particularly, I think, Nolan Patrick fans, took that as, like, you are slandering Nolan Patrick. Like, it is completely fine as a person to not be super happy at your job and prefer to work somewhere else. And that is that does not mean that you are bad. That does not mean that you are disloyal. That means that you are a human being with feelings, and you've decided, you know what, I'm not particularly happy here anymore. And that's fine. And I just think there were some guys on last year's Flyers team that especially by the end of the season just weren't super pumped about the idea of being a Philadelphia Flyer anymore. And the thing is, is that if you're trying to bounce back from a season like they had last year, those aren't the kind of guys you probably want to stay on the team because if you're going to bounce back from a year like last year, you've got to have a positive environment. And maybe some of those guys after a long offseason would have came back and they would have been pumped again and they would have had a totally different mentality. But 
maybe they're just kind of done with it. And that's okay. Like, if you're Shane Goss's bear and you've been jerked around for years by the coaches and you're getting scratched and you're getting waved, like, I who would blame him if he was like, yeah, I'd kind of rather play somewhere else mm-hmm. where maybe I'm more wanted? Like, that's not an insult to these guys. That's just saying they've got feelings and maybe they just weren't super pumped about being here anymore and that's okay. And I think that was something, that Holmgren answer about Voracek, it just shed a little light on that. That, you know... Guys were moved out, not all of the guys that were moved out. Like, I think, like, Brian Elliott was fine being here. I don't think Phil Myers had a problem being here. But, like, I think there were just some guys who probably needed changes to scenery, and that's okay. I mean, hell, who hasn't hated their job for a while and wanted to do something new? Like, it's a normal human thing. I just personally hope Nolan Patrick really loves the press box in Vegas. I think that's the perfect spot for him. Perfect. Uh, not playing in the NHL, but on an NHL roster. I hope he is so happy there. Uh, that uh, I he hope just, he's okay. He, he, he is, he's, he's been hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I I've, yeah, I haven't dug into like what's wrong with him. I hope he's not looking cussed or anything because he's been out for like two weeks. He's got some type of nothing. upper body injury that is, you know, Upper body injury. Upper body injury-ish. Is the heart. Yeah, upper body heart injury-ish. Is upper They've body. got a lot of weed. Upper body. What was that? Heart is upper body, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ouch. I was just going to say, they have a lot of weed yeah. in Vegas, so, like, he's fine. <laughs> they have a lot of weed everywhere. <laughs> but I just think that, like, I know. that was a big part. And we talked about it with the guys yeah. they brought in. You know, guys like Cam Atkinson, guys like Keith Yandel, guys that clearly excited to be on this team. Derek Broussard, excited to be on this team. And I think that was an atmosphere that they wanted to foster. The idea of being excited to be on this team. It was one of the reasons why, you know, and the, the deal got some criticism. It was one of the reasons why I think they really wanted to re-sign Scott Lawton. Because Scott Lawton really wants to be a friggin' Philadelphia Flyer. And they were like, in this, in this hell year, this guy still really wants to be a Philadelphia Flyer? We can't lose him. Like, yeah, maybe we gave him a, a year too many, but... In, in this locker room with everybody, you know, just angry and disgusted and frustrated, like, this guy is scared that we're going to trade him because he wants to be on this team so bad. Like, that was part of the reason why I think it was priority. Is that, and he's a pretty good player. But, like, that was part of it. They, want, they wanted to change the atmosphere in that locker room and hopefully, in the process, make them a better team. Now, I think they've definitely changed the atmosphere in the locker room. I think it's a happier place. Now, whether the Flyers are a good enough team, that will, that will be seen over the next few months. But I definitely think it's a happier place than it was last year, without a doubt. So before we move on, just uh, Steph, you weren't there. Kelly, like anything particular stand out to you in the Holmgren stuff, and then we can move on. I did like um, that he named Butterfinger as his favorite Halloween candy. It's not a Reese cup, but it is a peanut butter forward candy, so I respect that choice. Have, have we all just kind of like as a society agree that Reese's is the best? Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it that is that's the just best. It, it is the best. I'm just, I'm kind of surprised that like we've seemingly come to that consensus because it's a correct consensus. <laughs> but it's so rare that we come to a consensus. I know. On so, anything. So it's so true. Things bring us all together as people. Uh, Especially in terms of, like, specifically Halloween candy. Like, it's the right color. They run the commercials. Like, everything about it. Like, it's the... When I start seeing the Reese's Halloween candy commercials, like, okay, it's fucking fall. Like, it just all kind of goes together. So, yeah, yeah, we've absolutely come to that consensus. Seriously, though. It was kind of, um... 
kind of another one of those insight things that he said that he and Danny Breer cried when Danny yeah. Breer had to go. Like, that's, you know, we forget that these guys are human beings. The front office guys and the players. All the time. We forget constantly that they are doing a job, as Charlie pointed out, and they are human beings with thoughts and feelings. And it is probably hard for a general manager to trade a player that he really likes. And it was kind of nice that he revealed that, like, yeah, getting rid of a guy that we like sucks. Sucked for him and it sucked for us. We were sad about it. And I kind of liked it. Yeah, no, I think uh, that insight... That just I think it was little stuff like that that really stood out, and of course he I got nice this man. Yeah, he he was, and he, he yeah. I think he he warmed up and gave us some better answers than I was expecting. I got to ask about the Johnstown Jets, which was just that's all I wanted to ask about. He <laughs> so clearly loved that question. That was yeah. actually the reason for the interview. Bill yeah. just like stealth. <laughs> Like he's just—he's basically a citizen at this this point. Like, okay, yeah, all right, Paul. Like, you know, but he played—he he played with Dave Hansen. Of course, I want to ask about that. Um, all right. Uh, do we know how we're giving away these alumni tickets yet? Do we know what we're doing? Christ, I haven't figured it out yet. All I right. mean, I guess just stay tuned. Twitter raffle. I don't know. All right, stay tuned. We've got alumni We've tickets got to tickets. give away. It's Monday, November 15th. You'll have a good time there. You'll be with us. We have like a row of 20 tickets. We're giving some of them away. Uh, Check out our Twitter. All right. So the Flyers. Sixth in the East with a 643 points percentage. One point out of the wild card behind Columbus and Detroit. They've played more games. Definitely um, expected those teams to be in a wild card spot. Uh, right it's now. like the schedule. <laughs> the schedule's so weird because some teams have played so many games, and uh, there's a Carolina's still undefeated. Like there's so much weird shit going on. I guess I was wrong about them taking a step back, but we'll get into that later. Um, just first nine games of the season. Biggest takeaways, comments, concerns, things we're excited about. General reactions to these first they, nine games. To be clear, they haven't played nine games. I think they played seven, right? Seven. Seven? Seven. Seven. I just want to make sure you're, you can you know how to count. We though. are doing so good. Like, counting. It's, fairly it's, it's kind of an important aspect of living. Seven's the key number here. Does anyone else remember <laughs> that thing from their Where did I get nine? I don't know. I don't know. That part of that movie makes me laugh so much. I'm going to lose it. I have to put myself on mute. <laughs> Kelly's lost. Listeners, Kelly actually did put herself on mute. And now she is cackling. She is beat red. (laughs) Incredible. But yes, the Flyers have played seven games, not nine. Has Um, some other team played nine? Yeah, there's definitely teams that have played nine. Some teams have played nine, yes. The Rangers have played nine. The Capitals have played nine. That's just in the Metro. Um, The Flyers have nine. I'm sure there are other teams that have. They do. do That's what I was looking at. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so it's, it's so it's not counting. You can't do it's reading. Yes. <laughs> Who am I? I don't. I don't care. Oh well, that part we knew already. <laughs> I don't care for either of those things. <laughs> That's other people giving me information. I do the talking. I don't care about what someone else has we to know. say. All right. So, general flyers. reaction to these first seven games. Okay. So you got it. my biggest thing is that. I've seen a lot of, I mean, okay, so last year they started out hot too, right? Like, that was a thing. They banked a whole bunch of points. They were kind of noticeably, though, playing like shit. 
Like, we talked about it a lot, how the process was bad, but yay, they're winning games. This is good. Let's enjoy it. And then the season fell apart. Anyway, my thing is that they don't look perfect right now, but they absolutely look better than they did at the start of last season. And Mm. on top of that, they're down two of their most important slash best players while they're doing it. And I don't think that can be discounted. Like, yes, they're getting lucky. Yes, they're getting bounces. Yes, they haven't, you know, Calgary was probably the first extremely good team that they've played so far. Okay. But they look good. Like, I don't know how you could watch these games and not think that they look like a good hockey team. I agree with you. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway out of these first seven games is that they look good it is not physically painful to watch them (laughs) I leave each game with new appreciation for at least two players and they are typically Cam Atkinson and Joel Farabee um I think that the defense is a little scary right now with Ryan Ellis out um Defense is a little bit scary right now, but I've been impressed with the forwards. I've been impressed with goaltending, not just Carter Hart, but Martin Jones is not the disaster that I thought he would be. Not in one game so far. Not yet. Mm -mm. All we can do is day by day. Exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, the, the defense just continues to make me nervous. It's sus, as they say. It, it is. is sus. It's sus. The, yeah. the defense is sus. Yeah. Oh boy. No, that's <laughs> to your point, Kelly. Like you said, you think it's hard to watch them and I'm think. I'm Stephanie. Yeah. No, I said a thing too. Yeah. This was I know. Kelly's I was earlier just point. around. Uh, like it's hard to watch them and not think, you know, they're a good team. I think it's hard to watch them and not think they have the makings of a good team. Like yeah. they have, I think that's where I'm at. Like they have yeah. enough pieces to be good, and now it's just kind of waiting for some other things to fall into place. When we talk about the process, has it been the strongest? No, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking up some numbers on natural stat trick today, kind of matched the eye test a little bit. Corsi 4 percentage, below 46%, second worst behind the aisles. Of course, you know, the, the aisles process are, yeah. is also sus. Shots four better. percentage, fifth worst. <laughs> Expected goals four, seventh worst. Uh, goals four percentage, however, sixth best. So they're getting bounces and they're being opportunistic, and perhaps they're playing a little bit better defense to keep uh, keep teams to the outside and whatnot. But right now, yeah, they're losing the shot battle, the possession battle, and all that. They're winning games though, for the most part. Uh, they're coming back home. They're playing Arizona. I mean, has to be a win tonight before they start a real tough stretch in the schedule. We'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. I-, I don't know if, like, they're in the bottom five, six of all these, uh, all the you know advanced statistic categories. Even though they're just counting numbers, basically. Um, I don't know if they're that bad. Like, I don't visually, it hasn't been that bad. Even when the other team seems to have the puck for an entire period, visually. It's better. Visually, it's I, th- improved. I, I, I do think the structure has been better in general, yes. um, and I think there have been some games, uh, namely the Boston game in particular, where I don't think 
the numbers accurately portrayed the game. Like, do I think the Flyers were outplayed against Boston? Yeah. I don't think they were killed to the degree that advanced stats, at least the public advanced stats, would have had you believe because I think that even though they didn't have the puck a lot, they did a good job of allowing Martin Jones to see the shots. Mm-hmm. They weren't giving up a ton. They like like Martin Jones had a had a very good game by the numbers in that game. I didn't like watch him. I didn't think he was spectacular. I thought he was fine. I thought he did what a backup goalie should do. And the reason why I didn't think he was spectacular is because the defense, while they didn't have the puck a lot, while they the possession was definitely conceded, they we're making life not that difficult on Martin Jones. And I think a lot of the games so far, they've done a pretty good job of making it easier on the goalies, even when the goalies are facing a fair amount of shots, because they're not like they're, they're not giving up a shitload of odd man rushes. They're not having these glaring friggin' breakdowns in the D zone where guys are being left all alone in front of the net. Like they're not giving up four rebounds on the same play because no one boxes someone out in front. Like that's the kind of stuff that was happening last year. And that's the kind of stuff that made the goalies look probably worse than they were. And we're not seeing that. Now I'm not saying everything's perfect because it's not. I mean, they need to get better. They need to figure out the fourth line. They need to, I mean, I don't even know if this is possible, but they need to figure out the Sandheim versus line and pairing um, or what they're going to do with that. Um, and they need guys like Ryan Ellis and Kevin Hayes back. So it's not perfect, but I do think structurally this is much better than it was the first five, six, seven games of last season when not only were the underlying numbers bad, but the coaches after every game were... I mean, Vino after every single game was basically like, we played like shit. Yeah, we won, but we played like shit. After these games, he's not saying that. And I don't think that's just because he's trying to, like, make himself look better in the media. I think it's because last year they really were playing like shit. And this year, they're maybe not playing, like, where they need to be to be a contender yet. But there's enough going right structurally that the coaches aren't in panic mode. No, I do think there's something to, uh, like, Martin Jones, Was he has he been spectacular? No, but he's doing what he needs to do. And I think that is kind of a function of the way they're playing maybe some of these possession numbers would be better if they were putting more of an emphasis on, like, let's go all out on offense. But we know what happens. Sometimes you give up three three-on-ones in a period if you, you're you all in on trying to go one way, and they're limiting the disaster potential by playing more, I don't want to say reserved, but more of that, let's just keep everything in front of a style a little bit on defense rather than pushing in potential turnovers at the blue line and shit like that. So I think there is some leeway with the numbers, but they do have things to improve on. While Ellis sure. while Ellis and um, Hayes are yes. out, Like they're not going to be as good of a team as they are when those guys are in there, and they're making up for it in other ways right now. Yeah, I mean, we finally have goal scorers. Like, how long have people been screaming that they just want guys that shoot the puck on net and score goals? We now have two of them, like, verified in Cam Atkinson and Joel Farabee. Like, I think it's it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I feel like it's something to be excited about that the Flyers are winning games because they're scoring so many goals. Like, that's what's happening here. They're winning the games because they're scoring so many goals. and. They didn't score a lot of goals last year. And it was very painful they did to watch. Not. Had, in the beginning of the year, they did. In the they beginning were of the game, year. Yeah, yeah. I've had literal fun 
watching this team so far this season. And until they went on that hot streak before the world ended, I didn't have a lot of fun watching the team. I think you get the sense, and this to me is the big disconnect between the beginning of last season and the beginning of this season. Even if the num- And the numbers this year through seven games are better than they were last year through seven games. Not substantially better, but better. Um, the big difference for me is that last year in those games, a lot of those games, the Flyers just didn't seem like they really knew what they were doing. Like, watching those games, it felt chaotic, and it just sort of felt like they were hanging on until they could get, like, a breakaway and score or something. This year, even when they don't have the puck, they, it, it, they feel more in control. The Calgary game maybe was, was bad, but, I mean, that was... At this point, maybe call that something of an outlier. It was the third game of four nights on a road trip. Calgary's hot as hell right now. Sure. But if they play like shit this week, it's another story. Then we could say it was the start of a trend. But they played pretty darn well, I think, against Edmonton and uh, and against Vancouver. So I'm not going to bury them just because of the Calgary game, even though it was bad. But it just it, it, it strikes me, they strike me as far less chaotic to start this season versus last season. It just feels like... They're more in structure. They have more of a plan. They're not panicking in the D zone like they were last year. And I think that, again, I think that's part of the reason why the coaches aren't livid at the team the way they were to start last season. I'm going to move on to the uh, to Ryan Ellis and this issue that they're having with him and just the defense as a whole. Um, first, now it sounds like Ryan Ellis is week to week when really he, like, when he first came out of the lineup, I was like, yeah, he's out tonight. Um, he'll be fine. He should be back next game. And then every game, it was like, well, no, not tonight. And it just seems like things are getting worse with that. And not that he's further so I, injured, but so it's I, just I wanna, like we're getting worse reports than when it first began. I want to jump in here because I do think that, like, look, it, is it possible that Ryan Ellis could be out of significant more amount of time yeah it's possible I, I just don't think they know but I think this what what happened yesterday was one of the negatives of having a coach whose first language isn't English um, not to say Vlami you doesn't know English well he does but there's he's the guy who they've basically Fletcher has structured this where the coach gives the injury updates and Vino yesterday said he's week to week which I believe NHL Network picked up and then people lost their minds. And I really what Vino was trying to get at, and if you were in the room, which I was, you would have gotten this rather than just throwing the week-to-week thing on, on, on a, you know, a graphic and been done with it. Basically what he was saying was that, hey, last week we told you that Ryan Ellis was day-to-day. In retrospect, we probably should have said he's week-to-week because he's just missed a week and a half. So we were wrong about that day-to-day thing. I don't think this is a new designation of he's now week to week from this point starting yesterday from when I said it. And the reason why I don't think that's the case is because Vino flat out said, we want we think he could potentially could be back soon. And if he practices with the team on Wednesday, he'll go with us on the trip to Pittsburgh and to Washington. Now, granted, I don't have the expectation he's going to practice on Wednesday, but the fact that they haven't ruled that out and the fact that he's not yet on injured reserve or anything it leads me to believe that they still have hope that he could be back soon. Nothing in this in this entire thing has me thinking that like 
they knew two weeks ago he was going to miss a month and they're just kind of posturing so that fans don't get mad. Like, I think they thought this was a relatively minor thing that he might need a couple days to recuperate from and it just hasn't gotten better. And it sucks. It hurts the Flyers a lot. But I don't think this is a case of, you know, now he's week to week and he might be out for the entirety of November. Like, maybe, but I don't think that's their expectation. They're still hoping that this gets better relatively soon because... There's no reason to think it won't other than the fact that it hasn't yet, if that makes sense. I don't think they would have taken him on the trip if they you know, exactly. honestly thought he was going to be out for weeks. Exactly. Like, I mean, they left Kevin Hayes at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like some people were like, well, maybe they just brought him for team bonding. It's like, well, if you're, if you're bringing, some, bringing injured guys on a, on a trip for team bonding, aren't you going to bring the team bonding master Kevin yeah, Hayes right. on the trip too? Like who else is a bigger team bonder than Hayes? Also, he like, knows he's friends with everyone. Literally everyone. They built the team around his friends. <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, it's okay that they're taking it slow with this Ellis thing. Like, they need him to be healthy long term. Yes. And right now, until the Calgary game, they were winning games, you know, pretty handily. Like, it, it was going well, despite the defense being sus. So it's okay, I think. That they're letting him get all the way better instead of 80% better and then coming back on the ice and this being like a nagging thing that sticks with him all season. It's super early. It sucks that we don't have Ryan Ellis right now, but I would rather he get all the way better before he comes back, even if that means we have to deal with a janky defense for a little while. I just think it's better long-term for the team. I think the part that's tough and why this is... I mean, number one, Ellis is a really good player, and he's a top-pair defenseman. He's going to help the Flyers a lot. But one of the reasons why I think this is such a big deal right now is because when he was acquired, the knock on him was injury concerns. Yeah. And the fact that this is happening so down. soon, it just it plays into that narrative of, oh, God, this was the reason why we were worried about him. This was like the only negative about acquiring Ryan Ellis is that he's 30 and he misses a lot of games. And now, you know, seven games into the season, not nine, Bill, seven, seven games into the season. <laughs> sorry. Um, seven games into the season, he's, um, he's already missed, what, four of them? He's played in three games. So it's just, it, it, when, when something plays in it, it's the same way as like if Martin Jones had gotten off to a bad start. It's like Rasmus line and his advanced metrics suck. So it's like, oh, God, his advanced metrics sucked in Buffalo. They suck already in Philly. Is this just going to be a continuation? And, like, it might be. But the, the Ellis thing, you know, it just it plays into the pre-existing narrative of he's hurt all the time, and that's why I think especially people are nervous. I'm dealing with this, the Ellis thing, a little better just because Patrick and Myers aren't playing either. So it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> at least at least it's a, it's a one-for-one situation here. Um I will say this defense with Ristolainen struggles, we can get into those a little bit. I'm pretty sure his five on five, he's like 40% course, like mm. Jesus Christ. It's not great. Um, not great. We kind of knew that was going to be the case with him. Maybe he could make up for it in other ways. Maybe they get this thing figured out. But with we, we've talked about the mix and how they want the defense structured. Um, at some point in the near future... Do you think it's possible they go and acquire another defenseman? I'm not saying they go and get an all-star or something, but, like, somebody to steady this thing out. Like, how much do you think figuring out if Sanheim and Risto work and if Risto's worth resigning and all this, 
How do you think that's more important than like winning games in November and December? Wait, who are who are we sitting? If they get another defenseman, like who would in your mind? One of them could be involved in the trade. Oh, I see. Uh, Maybe you maybe Ellis is out a little longer, and you figure it out after he comes back. Like just like at what point do you think acquiring another defenseman is a possibility? That's it. I. I don't think it's a possibility. Yeah, it seems okay. um, very unlikely. And, and and you know why I don't? There's there's two reasons. Number one, because I do think, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, like, I don't think they're going to give up on the wrist line thing, and I don't. But, I like, I, it, there's a reason why they acquired the guy he's going to play. I don't necessarily think they're going to, you know, use him on the first pair because they're so heavily invested in wrestlers' line. But, like, they're invested in the guy. They want to see it work, and they're not going to just give up on him nearly as fast as, you know, a lot of fans are going to, especially ones who are analytically inclined. But that said, if you look at the defense, really, I mean, they've got Cam York coming, so he's not far. And if you if you're not going to go out there at the deadline, if in theory the Flyers are good and they're in the mix to add, um, if you're not going to add a top four guy, the kind of guys you add are guys like Nick Sealer, who they already have. Like, they already have, like, the Nick Sealers and the Sam Morans when he eventually comes back from from his knee issue um, to sort of fill out the bottom of the defense. Like, those are the guys that you trade for at the deadline unless you're in the mix for a top guy, which I don't think they're going to be in the mix for. The only way I could see them doing that, only way, is if, like, let's say this Ellis thing ends up knocking him out for two months or three months, or whatever, and it's like, they have to sit him down, because he has to have surgery, or something, and then it's like, okay, well, he's sitting on long-term IR, fuck it, let's trade for a guy, I could see that, but beyond that, I think they're pretty locked in with this, you know, Proverop, Ellis, Sanheim, Ristoline, and top, top four, with Cam York sort of as the backup plan, and Justin Braun as the backup plan right now, when one of those four guys goes down, I just don't know where else another guy would fit in this mix, I think they like this mix in theory in theory i too like the mix i just remember uh was it oh nine like they go and get steve eminger a month or two into the season they're like well this ain't fucking working and then they go and get matt carl like well it'd be fascinating to me if they were to give up on ristolina but i don't even think we're anywhere near close to that no yeah and that's <laughs> way too much not yet yeah and that's well, the difference i mean not a, they, they gave up a lot for eminger too yeah oh, fair enough but that's they went out and got a guy who was equal like yeah, well, they, they, they basically just flipped. They they, yeah. they were like, okay, well, this guy's not working out. Let's get another defenseman who ostensibly plays a similar role, and maybe he'll work out better, and he did. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I mean, Fletcher really likes Risto. He really wants That's to That's the this problem. Work. So I don't, I, I don't see him punting on this experiment anytime soon. All right. And, and no one was, no one was I'm not advocating. I'm not advocating for punting on this situation to necessarily. I'm just look. Asking. I wouldn't have a problem with them punting oh, on the situation. I, I just don't think they will. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel differently than everyone else here. I don't. I, I think you need to give this thing time to see how it goes. It's only been seven games. Um, seven games and only five for only Risto. Five for him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think you need to give it a little bit more time. I guess. Sounds like trash, in my opinion. I will say, though, uh, I want to get into the forwards. We were talking about how they're winning because they're outscoring teams, and that's a lot of fun. One of the reasons that was happening was the uh, Broussard, Farabee, Atkinson line, and we said, oh, I don't know how long this can last. We'll see. 
Well, it lasted about four games. Uh, Broussard, <laughs> Broussard has one assist in the last four games. Farabee, no goals, no points last four games. Do they maybe need to switch some things up, get these guys going again? I mean, I don't know what you do. I guess maybe you could you could shake up those middle six lines. Yeah. You know, maybe you... Um, I'd be interested to see if they would think about um, reuniting that uh, the JVR lawton Farabee line, which was good last season before um, before the COVID pause in February. They look real good. They mm-hmm. were a really, really, really solid line. Uh, and that would, I guess, involve moving Lindblom up uh, to play with Atkinson and Broussard. The problem is Limblom isn't hasn't been. I don't think Limblom's been bad, but he's not scoring. So uh-huh. it's you know, do you do you put him up, you know, onto a scoring line more so than he's been just because of what he does on the little things and hope that he opens up Broussard Agassiz? Look, like we, we all knew that Derek Broussard wasn't gonna. Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. hoped, but we knew. And the thing is, is that we're now into November. I mean, we in theory we could be like a little over a week away from Kevin Hayes coming back. And, and, and Vino said, I believe he said yesterday, that um, in the next couple days that Hayes is going to start practicing with the team. Um, so they're, like, he's been skating with the team. He's been, you know, but now it's like, well, maybe he'll get into start getting into full practices. I believe the first game he can come back, I think, is the 10th based on, uh, you know, being on long-term IR and having to sit out for those games. So there's not that much more time before Hayes might be back. And then with Ellis, there might not be that much more time before Ellis is back too, and then we maybe can get a better read on what this team is. But the good news is is that so far, you know, they've gone through seven games without Kevin Hayes, and they haven't dug themselves a gigantic hole, which I think was the big concern, was that would they be able to survive as a one-line team without their second-line center when their new second-line center, you know, is 34 and a year ago wasn't even sure if he was still an NHL center, and their third-line center is a better winger than center. Yeah, they're holding it together, and that's what gets me to uh, to tonight's game. Uh, I think it's under the radar um, a pretty huge game. Now, Arizona, they're 0-8-1. Uh, listen, this is why. Okay. Arizona Arizona is 0-8-1. Uh, and I think anything... That's where he got nine from. Maybe. I think it was the nine points. I think that's what threw me. Uh, but okay. Arizona's 0-8-1, and, and anything other than a brutal beatdown of this disgrace of a team is fucking unacceptable. Um, like, Shane Gostisbehere is their leading scorer. Um, they're not an NHL team, and the 16 games after this are maybe the toughest stretch of the season. They go yeah, at it, Pittsburgh. It gets, it gets rough. Yeah. At Pittsburgh, at Washington, versus the Leafs, at Carolina, at Dallas, versus Calgary, versus Tampa, versus Boston, at Tampa, at Florida, versus Carolina, at Jersey, versus the Isles, at the Rangers, versus Tampa, versus Colorado on December 6th. They play 16, 17 games between now and then. This one, like these are two must-have points. You can't go back-to-back clunker going into this stretch. And, I like, again, I know they're going to play 82 of these fucking things. Putting any amount of weight on uh, any one game is asinine. But I'm doing it because they're playing a team that they are so much better than. It is not funny. It yeah, needs they're going to win. It needs to be, like, 7 nothing though, and they need to have the puck the entire well, game. 
I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I want to say that. Well, here's but they, the thing. They, they're, they're, getting a win is important. They're going to win. Arizona's goaltender is shockingly very good. Um, I don't know if he'll be good forever, but he's very good right now. So, I mean, he's going to face a lot of shots, probably, because the team in front of him is, is pretty much dog shit. Um, but it's not going to be – I mean, it's still an NHL team. It's not going to be just like the Flyers it- play – I mean, it's not the Flyers playing the Johnstown Jets. I mean, they got to – it's going to be a little bit of something. But there, I, there's simply no – I said 5-2 I said five two in the checking with the Arizona guy, and the Arizona guy was like, ah, yeah, I could see that. So, I mean, it's not – could be. Yeah, They've played nine games, and their leading scorer has five assists. Like, that's how bad they are. It's real bad. I On purpose, though. They're not kept <laughs> That is I true. kept that forgetting is true. that they blew up the team this offseason, and I was so Full excited tank. for Jacob Chikrin to play with Shane Gostisbehere. Like, yes, we're going to get him some mobile puck support, and it's going to be great, and then the entire team is just Jacob Chikrin and Shane Gostisbehere. Well, Jacob Chikrin, I'm glad I mean, you brought him to up. To their credit, Steph. they got a lot of draft picks. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they got to make up for losing those draft picks for, you know, whatever the fuck they lost them for. A um, <laughs> lot Jacob, of draft picks. Yeah. Jacob Chickering, Steph, I'm glad you brought him up because uh, looking at looking at who's doing what for their team, he's playing 25 minutes a game. He has no yep. points, and he hasn't yep. been on the ice for a Coyotes goal this season. No goals for 11 against at 5-on-5 five five at all strengths. Zero four twenty against. I agree. Like I understand plus minus and all that. Like he plays the most. They're awful, but he hasn't been on the ice yep. when they've scored a single goal. Listen, listen. How many goals have they actually scored this season? Like three. I, not that many. Not that many. Their leading goal scorer has like three. Yeah, yeah. the goal differential is also hilarious. But so the- let's just leave Jacob Chikrin alone. And acknowledge that he is on a terrible team. But this the, is not his Norris year. That's what I'm getting at, is they need to brutally destroy this team. Yeah. Oh, what does that mean to you? Like, if they give up a goal, are you just, like, out? Like, is that just... No, 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 because they're they're going to give up a goal to former flyer Shane Gostisbehere. Oh, oh, maybe question. even two. I'm maybe absolutely two. I'm absolutely betting on Gostisbehere to score He's tonight. A because play, I'm fucking... Like a, yeah. yeah, a power play He's, rocket. Ghost bomb. For for Ghost me, bomb I need the them to appear. I I need it to be visually dominant. Okay. No, like yeah. they can give up a goal it, it, it or two. Nice they need to score six or seven. Yeah, it'd be nice. To, well, I, I would just like to see them control play. It yeah. would be nice, especially because, like, you know, as as much as people freaked out about the Calgary game, and I'm not saying it was good, it wasn't, but. They actually, on that road trip, they still finished above 50% in terms of expected goals, uh, expected goals for percentage uh, based on evolving hockey. It was a little bit over 50%. That's the, the road trip as a whole. So, you know, their their full season numbers may not look great, but even accounting for that down game in Calgary, they still controlled the, the shot quality battle over the course of those three games. So it's not like they're coming into this Arizona game having gotten crushed no. on that road trip. I mean, they played on the whole, looking at, at it as a three-game hole. They played solid. They wouldn't say they played amazing, but they played solid. Mm-hmm. And solid really should be enough to handily control play over an Arizona team, which is probably the worst team in hockey. 
Unless Michelle Terrian does that thing with the power play they were working on. Oh, that's Char- what always I goes about. back to the power play. That's what I wanted to ask about when we were talking about the defenseman real quick. I see you, Steph. We're going to wrap in a second. Um, Keith Yandel on the power Love play. Him. Why, why why are they working on moving him off? He, why would you move him? Why would yeah, you acquire know. him? If he's not good like, at one thing. He, he does this thing. This is why he's here. He does that thing. He says, thank you. He made up a word. These are his things. Don't take away the power play. That's what he does. Yeah, I, just... I specifically asked Vino after practice on Monday, like, changes the power play, specifically moving Yandel off the top unit. And his response was, I wanted to get Cam Atkinson up with Claude Giroux, which, like, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Not going to lie. But why but the other thing? Yeah. Why Yandel off that unit? Why the other and, thing? I, and, and I think, too, it's like, again, this is like another Flyers Twitter thing. Like, Flyers Twitter gets really, really, really mad whenever Ivan Provorov was on that top unit. So, like, that's also part of it. No, I'm just high. No, this is me personally. I'm not. I'm not talking about those people anymore. Provorov is not good. He's so slow, and Yandel is just back there, like bunk, 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 bunk. Like he's fucking great at it. Like and you I already don't know why you would want to change it. You it's, already have Giroux and Couturier, who are like deliberate puck movers they're very good and they can be productive on the power play but i would like to see somebody who's just a little bit more yeah like fast with the puck yeah and you know provorov is not that uh so not even a little bit we'll see how it works out we will uh you know games in a few hours i will be on the post game afterwards check out kelly's checking out the competition it's already up on the podcast feed uh does anybody have anything else no no all right well then that is all the time we have for you on bsh radio this week thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already you got to hit that subscribe button just do it i don't want to go into the whole thing because we're over an hour already but uh hit subscribe it's good for you all right um yeah that's it my name is bill Matz for charlie for steph for kelly have a great week everybody are you ready to talk about sports Learn how safe pain management can improve overall patient care. Clinicians can earn CEs through free self-paced trainings from CDC to help implement the 2022 Clinical Practice Guideline for Prescribing Opioids for Pain. Get started today at cdc.gov slash opioid training. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show freaking rocks. 
Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports Channel.